The year is 1997. Titanic dominates the box office and sets a course to become the highest grossing film of all time. The Boy Who Lived becomes a household name when Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone hits bookshelves. And in Buenos Aires, a bunch of teens are about to leave football and backflipping behind to fight bugs on the battlefield. It's time for the last action podcast! Pop quiz hot shot! Hey, I feel the need for need for speed. Please, we can kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Last Action Podcast. I am LPJ, and with me, again, fighting bugs in the universe... The ace to my Rico, Uncool Joe, hey, Joey yeah. <laughs> Joey Hovercraft, Hovercraft Joe. What are we going with this time? I, you know, I thought it was just going to be Joe, but you know, Hovercraft Joe, Hovercraft Joe. As long as it's not protein shake, no, we're good. We can make Hovercraft Joe stick. <laughs> How's it going, LPJ? I am very good. How are you? I'm excited to be here. I'm, I'm excited to talk about this movie, and we we have not one but two special guests with us here today in the studio. We have Corn Dog and JB. Hi guys. How you doing, Joe? Hey, Joe, LPJ, thanks for having us on. Absolutely. I'm glad you guys could make it. I'm curious as to, so we had this discussion initially to, to bring you guys on. You guys had a different movie. You, <laughs> yeah. you picked a different movie at first. And I, and I can kind of speak this a little bit. because Yeah, the what's lo- the story behind this? Well, okay, so for the longest time, when I found out I was going to be doing the guest hosting thing, I asked him to be on, and we were going to do The Patriot, the Mel Gibson movie, right? Sure. And then one day, not that long ago, I'm, I'm home from work, I work with these guys, and, and I get a text, and they're like, yeah... They're like, we want to do Starship Troopers now. And I'm like, I thought they were joking because we had talked about the Patriots so much. And it turns out that, like, one of our printers was broke at work. And so they had to use an alternate one. And that one was called the Rico. And because of that, they started talking about Starship Troopers. And that's how we ended up on this movie. That is bizarre. (laughs) Hey, we're all about Rico's Roughnecks here, all right? Fair enough. So uh, I've seen this movie several times. Uh, we saw it in the theater when it came out. That is true, yes. I remember enjoying it when it came out quite yeah. a bit. Yeah, 100%. I remember other people I talked to hating this movie <laughs> with everything in their being when I could this see came that. out. It was a very that. split movie. Yeah, I, I remember. But I I feel like I, I hadn't seen this movie in a long time, but we saw it in the theaters. I remember owning it on VHS. It was on TV a ton. I remember seeing this movie a lot. What are like? What about for you, Corndog? What do you remember first seeing this movie? What are your earliest thoughts? You know, I, I feel like the first time I saw this, I I was probably nine or ten years old, uh, spending the night at my friend's house and caught maybe ten minutes of footage uh, that my friend's dad was watching, liked <laughs> what I saw, and ended up watching it like a week later. Nice. What about you, JB? I was seven years old when this movie came out, <laughs> so... Uh, God, um, I feel old. Yeah, the, fucking we're, old. We're gonna feel old, yeah. <laughs> and I remember thinking, uh, uh, I'm gonna see Casper Van Dien in a lot more movies <laughs> after this. <laughs> Close, yeah, a lot more, uh, a lot more Starship Troopers movies <laughs> made for TV. Maybe just the second one. <laughs> no, he was in a couple more. Well, they did. Well, that's. I mean, what did they do? They did like two sequels and a couple animated ones. Yeah, 
He and wrote we, the voice to the animated. Yeah. yeah, and I was just reading today that they might be doing a new TV series. Yep. That they're interested in bringing back the original cast because, I mean, they're not doing anything. No, I can't imagine that would go well. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'd watch it. So. Yeah, I'd probably watch it too. <laughs> I don't think they can afford Neil Patrick Harris now. Well, no, they probably can't afford him. They can afford everybody else. Though. Yeah, they could probably afford everybody else for what they would have to pay Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> Fair statement. <laughs> <clears throat> um, so should we start uh, breaking down some facts about this? Yeah, absolutely. So this is uh, obviously Starship Troopers, 1997, uh, directed by the great Paul Verhoeven. Paul Verhoeven, yeah. I'm a big Paul Verhoeven fan. I know you are a Paul Ver- Verhoeven fan. Simply because he directed RoboCop right. and Total Recall. And, I mean, you know, there's a couple other movies he directed, too, that I didn't... Were you leaving out the fact that you love Basic Instinct? I didn't. I did not love Basic Instinct. <laughs> I, I noticed you left out Showgirls as well. <laughs> I did. I also left out Showgirls. Not not one of my favorites. Hollow Man. Uh, Hollow, oh, I do Hollow like Man. Hollow Man. Yeah, I enjoyed Hollow, Hollow Man. Hollow Man's not a bad movie. I no, not enjoy at all. that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Paul Verhoeven makes good movies. I mean, obviously, you said Robocop and that, and this is... Although, what did they say that, that this is like the last movie after this movie? He moved out of America, left America, went back overseas. Yeah, he went. Uh, he he's Norwegian, so he went back to Norway and and hasn't really made a movie here since. <laughs> um, and the produ- the production of this, he basically took the entire production team from RoboCop, and they all came back. So you're talking about uh, the producing team. You're talking about the screenplay is written by Edward uh, Newmeyer, who wrote RoboCop. Right. Uh, the music was by Basil Polidurus, who wrote the music for RoboCop. Right. Same cinematographer, uh, edited by the same people, distributed by the same group. Uh, you're looking at basically the entire production set. Phil Tippett did the um, did the special effects in RoboCop, and he also did the special effects here. So it's the entire RoboCop team making a new movie, basically. So he just brought everyone along with him for the Every ride. single person, it seems like. That's that's. <laughs> I saw that the writer, that guy, uh, what'd you say, Edward Newmeyer? Newmeyer, that he wrote basically all the Starship Trooper movies and all the RoboCop ones. He did, with the exception of the third RoboCop. He wrote part of it, but it was actually written by um, Frank Miller. Oh, okay. And yeah. Frank Miller wrote the story for the second one. Okay. Well, which is weird because the RoboCop three is terrible, right? It's awful. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. Mm-hmm. Um. And then uh, the music, the composer we talked about, Basil... Polidaris. Polidaris. The thing that I saw was interesting when looking at the things that kind of he got into was one of the music he did the music for was um, Celtic Pride. Yeah, great. <laughs> Love that <laughs> which, movie. Which is a movie that our, our friend, friend of the podcast, Jody, is a big fan of. <laughs> which is bizarre. Like, do you remember going to see that movie? I do remember going to see that movie. I hated that movie. <laughs> and he wanted to go back immediately and see it again. Well, I think he owns it on DVD. I'm so. sure he owns well, it. Who doesn't like Damon Wayans <laughs> as a star of the Utah Jazz? Is that what I thought? No, isn't it the Celtics? Isn't that why it's called Celtic Pride? No, no he's a star. Dan Aykroyd no, and Daniel Stern are fans of the Celtics yeah. that kidnapped Damon Wayans, star what? of the Utah Jazz. Was he the Jazz? I thought he was a Nick. He's a, the Utah Jazz. Oh. The NBA Finals, circa right. like 94 or something like that? You know what? This is too much. <laughs> we'll, we'll We've say, already talked about this too much. We'll save it for the Celtic Pride podcast. <laughs> yeah. The episode about that one. Can't wait. <laughs> so a lot of the look and feel of this movie looks and feels a lot like RoboCop. I mean, it's shot the same way. Uh, it sounds the same. The effects are, you know, obviously they're CGI now as opposed to stop motion. Um, but similarly executed. Uh, it's just as bloody and gory that, as... Yeah. As RoboCop. In fact, um, this is Paul Verhoeven's bloodiest, goriest film he's ever made. Well, they said that it did like RoboCop. It initially got an NC-17, correct? Yeah, they had to cut, I think, four minutes off 
um, including a decapitation, a partial decapitation, and uh, some limb removals that they had to take out. <laughs> There's a lot of I one of the first notes I took in this is that those bugs really love biting people in half. That's like their go-to move for killing somebody. Yeah, it was like stabbing them through the shoulder and then <laughs> ripping them in half. That's the first couple of minutes of the movie. It's like, okay. Yeah. Here we go. Oh, I was in. I was in right away. Do you well, mean when they murder the CNN news crew? <laughs> well, I did see that they said that the budget of this was 105 million. Yep. And that its total worldwide gross was like 121. So it was, you know, a mild success, but not really in the US. It was only like made like 54 million in the US. So, you know, overall a success, but not, you know, a rousing one, I would say. Yeah, and um you know, it, it really got it got split reviews, uh, and I would say actually probably more negative re- reviews. And I think it's because the movie is a uh, it's a satire. Yeah, uh, it draws a lot on um, the old the old um, uh, like military propaganda films they used to show during World War II to try and get people to enlist. Right, and then at the same time, it mirrors a lot of the Nazi imagery that uh, was was counter to that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and basically creating this whole fascist, this fascist world that Starship Troopers lives in and kind of, uh, satirizing it. Right. And so I, I would imagine a lot of people didn't, didn't get that. <laughs> well, and in, you talk about its reaction. Does anyone, I mean, this is, I'm not going to say this is a pop quiz, but I, this is something, does anyone want to take a stab at what the Rotten Tomato score for Starship Troopers is? We can, we're just going to do this. All right. We're just going to make it, make it a pop quiz and be done with it. Pop quiz, hot shot. So Rotten Tomato score, what do you guys think for Starship Troopers? I'm going to throw out a number here and say 64%. Okay. JB, anything? Mm, I'm going slightly lower. I'm, I'm going to say about 45. I think the Rotten Tomato score is actually really low as far as I remember. I think it's like in the 20s. Ooh, no. Wow. Uh, you know, Corndog, pretty close. 63% on Rotten oh. Tomatoes. So, wow. so kind, of, kind of there. The audience score is 69%. So... People like it more than critics, which makes sense for this movie. 100%. <laughs> IMDb was a lot nicer. <laughs> I bet they were. <laughs> um, are, are, we, are we ready to get into the cast here? Talk about who's uh, starring in this uh, cinematic masterpiece? Yeah, kick it off. Uh, well, first we have uh, Johnny Rico, Casper Van Dien, mm-hmm. um, which uh, honestly I can't think of anything else he was in. There's not a ton. Um, I mean, he was like he was in the Wing Commander video games. <laughs> Uh, he was in, um, he had a couple guest roles on Beverly Hills 90210. <laughs> um, I don't, there's really, you'd think he would have done more after this, but he really didn't. Uh, he was in Sleepy Hollow, <laughs> um, Casper meets Wendy, right? Straight to video. <laughs> Who could forget? Uh, sure. But beyond that, I mean, it's just a lot of straight to video stuff or really nothing, nothing big happened for him. A bunch of, uh, he did a lot of the, a lot, a lot more of the Starship Troopers stuff. Right. Um, but that's about it. Really say, not a ton from him. I say, I feel like I've seen his name on the marquee for a couple of those shitty sci-fi, like, <laughs> Sharktopus uh, movies maybe airing on Sci-Fi <laughs> at Midnight. Maybe JB can speak more to that. Oh, no, you're right. He was in Shark Attack and Python, <laughs> and yeah, he's been in several. So he, so he, he makes a living. Oh yeah, hundred percent. He's which, definitely uh, uh, made for TV, made for DVD star. Which it says I have this written down too. Does anyone have an idea what Casper Van Diem's net worth is these days? Oh, I guess. Pop quiz, hot shot. What do you think Casper Van Diem is is worth these days? I, I hesitate to say, but five hundred thousand. Okay. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say five million. Okay. 
Yeah, I'm also in the same ballpark with all the, the voice work that he probably does. And every time they show Starship Troopers, which is quite frequent on Vice. Uh, <laughs> That's I'm, I'm syndicated say, Vice TV money. <laughs> I'm going I'm to say about 10. Uh, he's worth $7 million. Wow. So, That's pretty good. Which is like, it seems low, but I'm like, if I had $7 million, I'd be psyched about it. So, Well, considering he didn't really make another big movie after this. Right. I mean, that's not bad at all. No. Because so, he probably only got paid a couple hundred thousand dollars for this film. Yeah, and I didn't look into that to see how much he did get paid. But I, I couldn't find that. I, I, was, I looked that up just to sort of see, and I didn't... I couldn't find anything about pay scale for anybody on here. Well, well, while we're at it, Joe, another pop quiz related to the casting of this. I know. Oh, well. Pop quiz, hot shot. I know you have an intro question as to who was initially in line to play the role of Johnny Rico. So if you want to throw that out, I can take a little deeper dive. (laughs) Well, am I guessing who was supposed to be cast? Well, I know yours. um, So you want to just, you want to wait? Because we have a segment called Role Reversal. We can do that. That's uh, whatever you guys prefer. We can hold on to it. We'll hold, we'll hold on. on to we'll, it. Get, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get back. We will we'll absolutely back. get to that. <laughs> um, so we talked about Kessler Van Dien. Then yep. we have uh, Denise Richards. Yeah, Denise, and this was this was her film debut, I believe, wasn't it? Because um, Wild Things is after. Yeah, I believe Wild Things was after, but I guess I don't know. I'm not. Too... Yeah, this was it. Okay, it was. So yep. I was going to say it's not too versed in her. Um, filmography there. Yeah, I'm fairly certain. Let me double check that. I'm pulling it up right now. <laughs> okay. So yeah, Denise Richards is in this. Uh, oh, she's in a couple other films before this. I apologize. Uh, she's in uh, Tammy and the T-Rex. Okay. She's in Loaded Weapon 1, which we talked about. Right, that show. was an episode that you guys did. We did, yeah. Uh, and that was her actual debut. Okay. So we got Denise Richards. We got uh, Dina Meyer. Yep, Dina Meyer. Who was, again, like, none of these people, I mean, now I think are, like, super famous, you know, for things. I know she was on 90210 as well. Yeah, I remember her being big in the early 90s um, in TV shows more than anything. Um, Well, I guess I forgot. And uh, Denise Richards plays Carmen... Carmen Ibanez. (laughs) Oh, Ibanez, if you watch this movie, they They, mispronounce it for uh, the entirety of the film. And that's Captain Carmen. (laughs) Ibanez. And then um, Dina Meyer is playing uh, Dizzy Flores. Yep. Isabel Dizzy Flores. (laughs) Buenos Aires' best stalker. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So we talked about them with uh, Jake Busey playing Ace Levy. Who I'm fairly certain ripped the teeth out of his father's mouth and stuck them <laughs> in his own. A hundred percent, no doubt, he is his father's son. <laughs> oh my God. So I have a bit of a pop quiz for this. Okay. So, Jake Busey picked up an additional skill filming this movie. Do you know what it is? I, I do. I, I do. Yeah, we all, oh, <laughs> we all did all the right. same research. So there we go. Go for it then. Uh, can we say this at, on three? or <laughs> just, just somebody say it. Uh, he learned to play the violin. He did. He actually <laughs> learned to play the violin so that he could play the violin and then have it dubbed over uh, in the scenes. <laughs> Which is like, I, I think he probably could have went without that. But anyways, but... um. So uh, he's pure method. <laughs> well, yeah, if you if you're gonna ask me the over under for a number of scenes in this movie with violin playing, I would have never have guessed two. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, so then we have Neil Patrick Harris. You know what? Hold on, I okay. want to bring something up. Okay. So the year is what is it? Twenty one ninety seven. Twenty one ninety seven. Twenty one ninety seven. The violin's the only instrument that got kicking around. <laughs> That's it. An electric violin. <laughs> no one's playing. There's no guitars. Well, I mean, that there's was, no rock music. But, it's they're they're playing old like. Old Irish shanties. I mean, but the one in the later in the movie is like neon green. Yeah, in so. fairness, it was a really cool <laughs> violin. Like, you know what? You're right. We can Something get, made out of Lego material is clearly cooler. <laughs> we can get into it, but they're like, well, we party hard, and they open the, the box, and it's got like five footballs and a violin. <laughs> Here's your entertainment for the evening. <laughs> it's like, woo, it's a good thing he knows how to play violin. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, okay, so Neil Patrick Harris plays Carl Jenkins, which is like everyone's got interesting names, and he's Carl Jenkins. Well, he's NPH. I mean, that's all you got. It's all you need to know. But I feel like in like rewatching this, like I remember, maybe you guys remember it differently, but I was like, oh, he's in this movie a lot, but he's not. No, he's not in it a ton. Like, I mean, he has he, the scenes that he's in are important, but as far as the plot goes, but um, but you're right, he's really not in it a whole lot. Yeah, and he's a dick in pretty much most of the movie. <laughs> Well, he, yeah. uh, <laughs> he does sick a ferret on his mom. That's true. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they're living in a world where psychics are a thing. <laughs> yeah. Just like, and they don't ever really get into it too much. They're just like, no. yeah, they're psychics. Deal with it. Yeah, that's some, it. They just throw that in there. Arbitrarily, <laughs> some people are psychics, maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more. And then uh, I'm going to butcher this guy's character name. Someone can help me, but Michael Ironside playing... Um, Gene Ratchik. Ratchik. Ratchik, okay. Razik, something. Okay. Their yeah. history teacher, whatever you want to call them. The original it? Roughnecks. <laughs> and I'm not sure, LPJ, maybe you have this. I, I mean, I know I know Michael Ironside, but what's like some other things that he's been in? Well, number one, he's the voice, voice, voice of Darkseid in the cartoons. Okay. Yep. Uh, he's also, he's, he's in a ton of different, he's been in a lot of TV shows, but he's a very popular character actor. Uh, let me pull up something that you Co- would know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't he one of the tertiary villains in Total Recall? He was, yeah. He was one of the lead villains in, in Total Recall. Yes. Uh, he does a lot of voiceover work okay. in general. Um, probably one of the biggest ones was V back in the 80s. Yeah, he was in V. Oh, okay, shoot, yep. yeah. Uh, he does, I mean, it's mostly voiceover work. As you can tell by his voice, he has a very distinctive voice. Which, and, I, and I didn't have this guy on my uh, listing here of the cast, but another one of the, uh, speaking of voice actors, is yeah. Cl- Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown, yep. Who does the in the, all the Justice League ones? He was Lex Luthor, right? Isn't isn't that what he does? Yep, he's Lex Luthor. Uh, he's actually he does a lot of voiceover work just in general. Well, he's also uh, Mr. Krabs in SpongeBob SquarePants. Very <laughs> underrated. Yeah, and in uh, the the Kurgan, right? In Highlander. Not only yes, he's Kurgan. Michael Ironside plays the bad guy in Highlander 2. Oh, shoot. So you have both wow. villains from the first two Highlander movies in this. Well, when I think of Clancy Brown, I always think of the lead prison guard from Shawshank. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. This is the point of the podcast where we bring up that I haven't seen that movie, which has come up a couple of times. Yeah, and if that was an action movie, it, we would be on the list. <laughs> oh, well. We'd be watching it. Um, and then the last person I have listed on my cast listing is Patrick Muldoon as yep. Xander Barclow, I think. I might be mispronouncing that. Barclow? Barclow, but Xander. You know, and Patrick Muldoon, he looked familiar, but danged if I know something else that he was in. You know, his name is familiar, and he looks familiar, and then I looked him up, and I and I got nothing. Yeah, he's no. in Melrose Place. <laughs> he's a, he's, turns out he's a soap star. Okay. So he, did a, he was on Days of Our Lives for like 10 years. Which maybe makes sense because he looks like a 30-year-old high school student. <laughs> oh, 100%. Well, I think in this whole movie we can all agree that like this, they're supposed to be high schoolers, but none of them look even remotely close to being high schoolers. No, not even a little. <laughs> uh, there's also a lot of other... Um, like. A lot of other smaller actors in this that okay. are bigger now, like Seth Gilliam, who plays, uh, who's in, who's in The Walking Dead. Oh, yeah, Father we Gabriel. Father Gabriel. Yeah, Father Gabriel, yeah. Father Gabriel, pre-pacifist. <laughs> yep. Rue McClanahan is in this from Golden Girls. Oh, yes. Uh, Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> Dean Norris from Breaking Bad. Uh, Hank from Breaking Hank Bad. Hank from Breaking Bad, yep. Uh, oh, because t- he's, the, he's the guy at the training camp. Yeah, he's like the, the uh, CO at the... the uh, CO, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Brenda Strong is another big voiceover actor. Uh, okay. She's the she's the captain of the ship. Yeah, and we we were talking about this at work, and I got confused and thought it was uh, 
Brenda song from uh, <laughs> Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. And I was Not like, quite. I was like, I don't remember her being in that movie. And then I just read it wrong. Uh, Amy Smart's film debut is in Oh, here. that's right. Yeah, I do yeah. have that in my um, my notes when she showed up. It was like, oh, Amy Smart. And a very young Tim Omenson. Oh, from Psych. Yep. He's a... Uh, He's on one of he's either one of the I can't remember if he's a newscaster or if he's one of the um, like propaganda guys. Okay, yeah, I didn't even. He's, pick that it's up. very quick. I didn't pick that up. So I, I think worth mentioning, Joe, and you talked about this the other day. Is Christopher Curry? Tell me what else he's in. Christopher Curry, Rico's dad. Oh shoot! Yeah. <laughs> oh, I did. I used to. <laughs> this is embarrassing. Uh, I used to watch a show on the uh, CW starring Rachel Bilson that was called Heart of Dixie. Yeah. And he was on that show. He played the like like drunk dad of one of the characters, and they called him Crazy Earl. And when he was showed up in this movie, I'm like, oh, it's Crazy Earl. And you know what else he was in? What's that? One of your favorites, Chud. Oh, Chud. <laughs> Captain Bosch. Uh, you know, I've never seen Chud. I've never seen it either. Cannibalistic, humanoid. Underground Dwellers. I don't think a lot with of Daniel Stern and John Hurd. Is it good? Have you seen it? <laughs> it's fantastic. Oh, nice. <laughs> Had to remember that. Yep. Uh, there's really not a ton of other really notable people. Uh, there's one person, Dale Dye. He's not not- notable because he's a specific actor, but Dale Dye is the um, he's the military consultant that almost every filmmaker has used since. Uh, I think Deer Hunter. Okay. Uh, so he's done. He did Deer Hunter, Platoon. Um, he did uh, uh, Band of Brothers. Uh, anything Spielberg does, and he's in this film as well. Okay. So he's actually in it. He's in it as well. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So, um, and I mean, I guess we can start. I mean, the plot to this. <laughs> the plot to this is very strange to me. Uh, yeah. So you've got these bugs. Right. That live on a planet. Right. And what's the what's Far the planet? Away. Well, the main planet is Clendathu. Okay. But there's a whole system of planets I think that they're trying to colonize or something. Like Right. And I think that's one thing right off the bat that they don't do a really good job of kind of right. establishing cuz it starts a year ahead of when the movie starts, right? With the first invasion of Clendathu, right? Well, yeah, the the the, the first invasion of Clendathu and then they do a jump back a year. They jump back a year. And they pick up the movie from Okay. There. But it's never clear to me and maybe we'll get into this, but it's like and I think I I have this in my notes somewhere, but like What's the bugs' macro plan in this? Like, why? What, what started this agitation in this war between us and the bugs? From what I can tell, it's due to colonization. I think the the just from what I was reading, they they were trying to colonize new planets, and they happened to colonize one that have that had that was in, had bugs on it, basically. Okay, had and these I, insect oh, and insectoid I think species. We, you on know, it. and I think we, we don't have to get into this too much, but we should mention that this is based on a book. Loosely based on a book, <laughs> very yeah. loosely based yeah. on a book. Yeah, and what did um, I think you brought this up, Corn Dog? But what did Verhoeven say about the book? Verhoeven said the book was boring and uh, he couldn't get through, but I think a chapter or two of it, <laughs> and he made one of his producers read it for him. Yeah, he made somebody read it to him basically, <laughs> and then let him know what was going on. Because the book's from like 1959 or something, like it's mm-hmm. real old. So, but yeah, and it's even more of a satire on fascism than what this is, and it's very, very right wing. Okay. Um, this is kind of this. This is sort of a combination of a script that was already written about a bug war, okay. Uh, and then they f- they figured out that okay, well, this kind of fits with this particular book. Let's option the book and then kind of combine the events. Okay, got it. Okay, so so we established that the beginning of the movie they're fighting the bugs. But then we kind of go back a year, and they haven't really started like the outright war with the bugs yet, right? That's what I'm to understand. Yeah, the the war itself has they haven't the bugs haven't attacked Earth. They've attacked 
the, 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 the people trying to colonize the different planets. Okay. And the big thing around all this is that, what, what, and I have this in my notes, but I don't see it right here, but what do they call the military? What is it? You're going to be a citizen. You join the, the federation. federation. The you federa- join the yeah. federation. Because if you, bec- if you join the federation and do your military service and you become an actual citizen and there's more benefits to being a citizen. You get voting rights, I, I guess. you're allowed to have children is one of the things. Yeah, Somebody they mentions. never really make that totally clear. But, that, but what's weird is his father doesn't appear to be a citizen, right. but they have a child. Yeah. Like, so they got Rico. And they're, like, apparently pretty wealthy, too. Yeah, I think it's implied that his dad's, like, uber rich or something. He's trying to get Rico into Harvard. Yeah, he's trying to get his son to go to Harvard <laughs> instead of joining the military. Which I is mean, nice to know that's still around in 2197, Well, right? yeah. Yeah, he's trying to get them to go uh, on vacation in the outer rims on Segama Beach. Segama Beach, which, spoiler alert, will not be standing near the end of the movie. Well, and as uh, JB pointed out to me, it's like, dude, he's going to Harvard. He can't even pass his, like, math class to get into the uh, flight academy, and he's going to go to Harvard? Yeah, yeah, I don't understand that. Plus, and I think it's important to point out that all the main characters in this movie, it, it, they're set in Buenos Aires, in in Argentina. Yeah, <laughs> but they're all just like waspy people. Like it's not like it's he, very confusing. Well, they brought that up, and, one, and that was one of the big differences in the book. In the book, Rico is Filipino. Oh, and okay. what they what they kind of retconned, I guess you'd call it, is there's there is actually a large German population uh, that kind of fled to Argentina out of Nazi Germany. Okay, and so they're saying he's a descendant of that, and that's how it kind of fits in with the whole fascism uh, vibe that's that's going on. All right, and that's interesting because one of the big conspiracy theories is that Hitler escaped and fled to South America. Exactly, specifically to Argentina. <laughs> Wow. Oh, well, okay. A knowledge bomb dropped on me here mm-hmm. during the podcast. I had no it's idea. It's like an asteroid we've, bomb, really. <laughs> yeah, we've turned into a conspiracy theory podcast. I don't Jesse know how, Ventura right is our next guest. <laughs> Man, if Jesse Ventura was here, how it's amazing gonna be, it be? It's Jesse Ventura and Joe Rogan. It's going to get real weird <laughs> and real loud. <laughs> he was waiting to just, he was in the bathroom waiting to come out the whole time. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, so... <laughs> I don't know if we need to break down this bit by bit, or how do we want to go about it? There's a lot I to mean, cover. Yeah, uh, I guess the best way to put this is, you know, against his father's wishes, Rico and his friends all join up in the military. Well, he joins specifically because he's got the hots for Denise Richards. He does. And he, so he's like, well, I'm going to join the Army, too. But then he's a dummy and doesn't get into the flight school, so he has to go be a grunt. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the mobile infantry is what they call it. Yep. And then Dizzy... Star quarterback. Yeah, star quarterback for, for their teammate. It's not football. What did you say they call uh, it again? They call it jump ball, which <laughs> would explain the acrobatic flips there are in the yeah. routes. There there are are so, so essentially, it's arena football and gymnastics. <laughs> yeah, because there's so many flips oh, that they're doing. Yeah, so that, and that was another thing. Um, are they, like, semi-superhuman now? <laughs> That's the vibe they give you, because I think he is running full speed and does like a triple backflip <laughs> while catching a pass and yeah, outrunning I, Xander. Yeah, yeah, it's very confusing. And can everybody do that, or is it just him? And if it's just him, why is the whole sport called jump ball? <laughs> I don't know. They they kind of just show it to you, and it's like, oh, they're in an arena football game, and it's like, oh, no, this is their high school sport? Yeah. it's Apparently, it's the only sport. Well, it's also something professional, because Dizzy is a quarterback, I guess, Maybe it's the quarterback of the team. And she basically talks about how she's going to play professional because she's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to play for Rio or for Tokyo. What? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So anyways, so she is in love with Rico. 
and joins, basically stalks him and follows him into the mobile inter- infantry. And because Neil Patrick Harris is a psychic, <laughs> like we've talked about before. Like saying that stuff out loud, <laughs> I can't even wrap my brain around it. Right. So he's a psychic because it's like they just casually are like psychics exist in this world. No big deal. He talks to the ferret. What's he tell the ferret, JB? Go bug mom. <laughs> <laughs> So, and he gets, like, off to some kind of, like, special division because he's a psychic, I believe he goes out to military intelligence. Okay, that's what it is then. So then, basically, we we follow, mainly follow, I'd say, Rico through his journey through, like, boot camp, eventually onto the front lines and that sort of thing. And when he shows up at boot camp, that's when we're introduced to, uh, to Clancy Brown, who's the drill instructor there, who's, like, immediately super intense right off the bat. You mean like when he says, who wants to fight me? Let me immediately break this cadet's arm. <laughs> yeah, that was the other thing with this movie is they their healing technology is really good, apparently, to the point where they're just willing to break and shoot their their cadets. He throws a <laughs> knife through Jake Busey's hand. Yeah. <laughs> well, and let me ask you this too. Just kind of another question is like, why are they practicing knife throwing at all? <laughs> well, he, I don't he, know. He says if you take away the enemy's hand, he cannot pull the trigger. But, but what uh, arachnid <laughs> is going to pull yeah. a trigger? Well, you're I will fighting t- bugs. I, I will tell you, Denise Richards does utilize a knife near the end of this movie oh, to success. So that's true. I maybe oh, yeah, to slice the giant brain vagina monster. <laughs> Only because Xander gave it to her. That's true. Um, so, so we follow him through boot camp. Um, like you said, the, it's a pretty intense boot camp. He ends up being squad leader. No, right. he doesn't end up being. Um, he oh, does. you're Briefly, right. Yes, yeah. that's right. He so is squad leader at before first. the incident. Till till Gomer Pyle gets his brains blown up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they're doing a training exercise with live ammo, right? Which is. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't know why they're doing a training exercise with live ammo, right? Yeah, and they've established that they have these these like essentially high powered laser tag weapons. Yeah. Which is maybe one of my bigger points. You you've already touched on um like the healing technology they have. This is well into the future, but we're still using m- machine guns and <laughs> ammunition when we're fighting against practice dummies that use lasers? <laughs> yeah, I don't understand that. Their whole military strategy really dumbfounds me. They have all these infantry soldiers. You never once see them do any kind of air strike. Yeah, it's just like grunts on the ground with machine guns. Yeah. The the book, as a matter of fact, the reason why they're called mobile, mobile infantry is in the book, they've all got these giant, like, exosuits. Oh, okay. And they actually have this armor that has all their weapons on them, and that's why they're called mobile infantry ah. uh, instead of, you know, whatever you would call them, general <laughs> infantry. So during this live exercise or whatever with the live ammo, one of the guys, in the, the guy who gets his arm broke, he, like, has a problem with his helmet, so he takes it off in the middle of the exercise and ends up getting, like, shot in the face? Yeah, because somebody trips. <laughs> yeah, which, by the way, the helmet wasn't going to save his life anyway. He got shot in the face. So this really isn't on Rico. No, it's not. So he basically, like, um, gets, like, court-martialed, I guess. And they're going to kind of, they're like, oh, you can leave or you can stay and get your punishment. And he takes the punishment, which is basically getting, like, strung up and, like, lashed with a whip, like, ten times in the middle of the, uh, the... The, prom- square, the promenade, yeah. yeah. But then he's like, oh, I'm still gonna leave anyways, right? Because he feels guilty because he got somebody killed, even after taking his lashes. 
Yeah, it makes no sense. <laughs> it makes no sense. So he's calling his mom and dad to tell him that he's leaving the military and he's going to come home. And they're super happy. And then all of a sudden it gets like dark. It's raining, I think, it's, is what they yeah. imply. His mom's like, oh, it wasn't supposed to rain today. And then the transmission ends, right? And so he's going to walk out and leave. And all of a sudden there's all this commotion. And he finds out that <laughs> the bugs have directed a gigantic asteroid at Earth. And it hit specifically right on Buenos Aires and wiped it off the map. But the thing that, you know, I don't understand about that, they're talking about the planetary systems and how they have defense against asteroids. How come they didn't detect that one? Um, <laughs> yeah, they show it, the cannons the destroying it, it the asteroid. It is implied when that asteroid, uh, it sneaks up on uh, Denise Richards' ship somehow. Um, it says that wipes out their communication, so apparently nobody else can send a message to say, <laughs> oh, hey, there's an asteroid heading exactly towards Buenos That's Aires. That's right. It knocked out the communication tower. Yeah, And, and obviously, you know, telescopes don't exist. No. So they can't see out there <laughs> to have, know that it's coming. They have no idea. I mean, it, and it's like, how big would you categorize this asteroid as? Uh, I would categorize, categorize it as, based on the size of the ship that it almost hits, uh, pretty sure it's a world killer. <laughs> pretty sure at that point, it'd be nuclear winter, yeah. and it wouldn't matter. It was at least the size of Buenos Aires. Because <laughs> yeah. they, they established... Exactly. Uh, they established earlier in the movie that the bugs have been directing asteroids at Earth, right? But we've been shooting them down. They've been smaller ones. But have they been doing that intentionally, or is it just because of, like, the blue shit they shoot out of their butts? <laughs> I guess I don't know about that. But they do say they've been shooting ones at Earth, but we have, they haven't got through because they're smaller ones. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't... That's... I don't... None of that make None of that makes sense. <laughs> none of it. And I get that we're... We're dissecting this particular movie on the merits of its logic, but... Still, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I just want to segue off of speaking of dissecting. Can we talk about how there is a class in their <laughs> high school with Rue McClenahan about dissecting giant cockroaches? Yeah, I'm fairly certain all they need to do is kill them. <laughs> Which is well, like, I'm confused too, because at the time they're not at war with the bugs, so why are they dissecting giant bugs? I don't know. <laughs> um, so once Buenos Aires is wiped off the map, then it's like we're in full, they're going to war with the bugs. It's like they're no longer just kind of having these skirmishes. They're going to launch a gigantic assault on Clan... Clan Dathu. Thank you. <laughs> so they, they go, they send all their ships, they send all the mobile infantry, infantry and they basically just they get their hand, their, their butts handed to them this first battle. Yeah, because they, don't, they have no idea what's actually there. Right, we, and we catch up to where the movie begins, mm-hmm. actually, at that right. point, too. Because, like... I don't even know. It's so it's so stupid. So they have these giant beetles that basically their butts light up like <laughs> like fireflies, like fireflies that shoot and, rockets and they the shoot lasers. They shoot yeah like plasma juice. And like they have the the Federation has no idea and their ships are just good. They're like oh look at these pretty lights and then they just start getting <laughs> wiped yeah, out yeah. of the sky. They basically carpool all their ships right next to each <laughs> other and are saying hey hit us with your your ass juice. Well, and the captain says we made a, somebody made a big mistake. They clearly don't know about these yet. Yeah, and I think I think the whole thing is like they're like, oh, these are just dumb bugs, so they don't really prepare. They think they're just going to go and kill them all, but the bugs are actually more advanced and have, you know, more strategy than they were planning for. Well, and they make the comment that they're kind of firing randomly. It's still dangerous. <laughs> well, if anything, random fire is a lot more dangerous <laughs> than directed fire. Especially when all your ships are, like, clumped together, like, so close. Yeah. But uh, over under for an amount of times they will learn from that mistake. Mm. 
like they get decimated early on by the fire coming from the planet, but don't they totally do that again yeah, the, later the in the movie? Same thing happens yeah, the in the other thing. thing. They do, they're all sitting there and get shot by the blue butt fire later on in the movie. It's so stupid. So so they go down there and Rico's unit basically gets annihilated. We lose the guy whose name is Kitten, who we didn't talk about. Kitten, I don't even remember well, him. Yeah. He is one of the four to get a tattoo, but the only one that doesn't get major screen time. Yeah, his, oh, name, right. his, name's, his name's Kitten, and when Kitten gets killed, that's when uh, Rico goes to try and save him, and that's when he gets like stabbed by the yes, bug. Yes, that's right. And ends up in that uh, that Bacta tank that they ripped off in Star Wars for a couple days. Well, which it, which it's then implied that Michael Ironside saved him. How exactly did Michael Ironside, I'm sorry, I should refer to him by Gene Rashik, Lieutenant Gene Rashik, how on earth did he save him from that? He was, there was nobody else in sight. <laughs> it's true. It's like, he's like, he stays behind to try and save Kitten, which by the way, I do have a note that says, wait, that guy's name is Kitten? <laughs> Thank you, closed captioning. Well, it's too bad he didn't have nine lives. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Ugh, mute button. <laughs> <laughs> also, like, here's something we haven't we haven't completely talked about. So they have rocket launchers that fire nukes, right? Like nuclear missiles. That's what they keep calling them. <laughs> I they don't appear appear to actually do that. I don't know. Yeah, because it seems like you. I mean, I don't. I know it's the future, but you can't stand that close to a nuke. <laughs> you wouldn't think, but I. I feel like that. They maybe use them three times in the movie, and each time they have like a different uh, destruction. Like <laughs> yeah, a different level of destruction. And if they come that that planet that they were on did not look like it was suitable for any kind of colonization <laughs> whatsoever. And if they discover there's bugs on it, why not just fucking blow it up? <laughs> Yep. yep. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess that's too. And the I bugs think, can't travel, apparently. Yeah, and I think that's something that like JB said to me when we were talking about this. Like, why didn't they just like bombard it from space? Like, why yeah. did they put boots on the ground at all? There's they, no reason to. Absolutely, yeah. they carpet bomb Planet P. <laughs> why not continue yeah. that? Yeah. Why <laughs> not call in an airstrike? What, where's the support? Where's the backup? Why is it just the mobile infantry? Well, and again, I think it's. I think we're supposed to believe that a lot of this is like the arrogance of man. That it's like, well, these are just dumb bugs. So we're just going to go and exterminate them with our guns, and it's not going to be a problem. Yeah, well, fair enough, though. But to the point of JB there, they, they carpet bomb Planet P entirely one time, and it's super effective. They, <laughs> they take out a whole swath of bugs in one swoop, and then they send the boots in to like kind of clean up the survivors. But why not more of that? I have no idea. And None this, of this movie makes any sense as far as the military strategy goes. And it's like, it's so random to me, and we're kind of getting into the battle with the bugs, but there's like, I don't know, like five or six different kinds of bugs that they fight. And it's like, so there's like the main ones, which I don't know. I don't even know how to describe how they look well, like. Well, fun fact, I actually did a little research into this. The oh. main like warrior bugs, and I, I believe Phil Tippett also did the special effects and design on this, but those main yeah. warrior bugs were designed off of a, a scrapped design from um, models from Tremors 2. Oh, oh, interesting. Tremors, huh? Because they essentially just look like spot welders. <laughs> like spot welder bugs is basically what they are. The big like giant pincher on the front. Okay. And so they have those ones. There's the ones that are like the fireflies that shoot... The tankers. The, the shoot. Oh, no, those tankers are separate. Okay, so there's the ones that are like the fireflies that shoot the laser out of their butts, and there's the big beetles that yeah. have like flamethrowers. Those are tankers. <laughs> they shoot flames from their heads. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, okay, that's whatever. And well, then, they have weird like electricity, Yeah, it, it's like, and then they spit a flammable juice out. <laughs> and then there's the ones that are like flying ones that seem to be really adept at decapitating. Yeah, they have razor-sharp yeah. wings, apparently. And then there's the um, 
the big one, the brain bugs, which they find out are kind of orchestrating all these attacks. Well, don't forget about the cockroaches that kind of charted him along. <laughs> oh, yeah. But the brain bug, I mean, how would you best describe what the brain bug looks like? when you Oh, it's simple. It looks like a vagina mouth. <laughs> <laughs> vagina mouth, yeah, 100%. Yeah, it looks like a vagina mouth that has a weird, like, crooked penis that comes out of it. <laughs> and also eight eyes. <laughs> yeah, it's the weirdest thing. So <laughs> so they, they get their butt whooped in this first battle. Uh, they kind of regroup. They get, like, a new plan of attack. Rico gets a new unit, right? That's where he meets up with it's not a Father new unit. Gabriel. They get um, they get reinforced. Well, they get switched because I think most of their other units. Oh, that's right. Died, they get yeah. combined with the Roughnecks. And, and yeah, and that's when we meet up with the guy whose name I have trouble pronouncing. Oh, Rechek. And, and I have a question about his intro. And don't get me wrong, Michael Ironside's intro as the lieutenant is totally badass. When you see the metal arm flexing, and we're introduced <laughs> as him as being a, a total nutbuster by <laughs> by uh, Jake Busey's account, but. <laughs> My question is, why is it he's allowed to have his metal arm in the army, but when he's teaching high school, he's got, like, the potato nub? <laughs> What's the deal with that? Maybe he just chooses not to? Yeah, maybe, I have no idea. Maybe well, you he have to have the metal arm to fight. You would think, but uh, why can't he have it to teach history? I don't Doesn't know. need it, I guess. <laughs> so um, they, they hook up with this new unit, and they go back down. I don't know if they go back to Clandathu or whatever, but they're going there. Clandathu. Clandathu. Planet P. Okay, so they're going and they're clearing out more bugs, and that's when they get like a distress call. Is that what it is? Because they Wait end so. up because they end up at like a fort. It's kind of like um, just a big. It's fort. like an outpost. It's right. an outpost. And the and the bugs have slaughtered everyone there, um, and, and it, they it ends up being like a trap because they start getting overrun with all these bugs. Yeah, and and it turns out the bugs are smart enough to set a trap, and that's where they get the idea that there's a brain bug. Right. Because, in fact, there's a guy there that they find, like, a general who is, like, in hiding, and he keeps talking about how the bugs get in your brain and stuff like that. Which is my question about that. They, they show the guy at the console with his brains sucked out, and that deposed general is talking about, oh, the bugs get in your head, they get in your head, implying that the brain bug influenced him to send a distress <laughs> signal? I thought they just sucked your brains out. I don't know. I think maybe the brain bug is partially psychic. And that's why Neil Patrick Harris can communicate with it at the end? <laughs> that would make a lot of sense. I, I, I a, honestly, I think that's the only reason why they even bring psychics into this is because they had no way to figure out how to communicate with the bugs since they're generally <laughs> silent. I have a note in here right about the point where it says the budget for torn in half bodies on this movie must have been huge. Oh, that's <laughs> probably half the budget. <laughs> and I also have a note that says it's like this movie is a lot grosser than I remember it being like... It's it's an R. I mean, there is some nudity and language, but a lot of it's for the violence in it, and it's pretty graphic. From Pop quiz, hot shot. Uh-oh. Speaking of which, okay, we had mentioned earlier that this is Paul Verhoeven's bloodiest film. Okay. How many gallons of fake blood were used in uh, this film? I came across this in I research, across this so well. I, will, I will abstain from guessing. I forgot the number. I'm the only one who hasn't this. seen that. I'm going to say 50 gallons of blood. Do you have a guess? Price is I, right rules, by the way. I, I saw it, and I want to say it was 17, but I think that's way low now. I'm thinking I'm thinking of a different number. Nope, it's 17. <laughs> okay. Whoa. So not as impressive as the 50, I guess, <laughs> but, you know, still still 17 gallons of blood is a lot. That is quite a few uh, gallons of fake blood, and it is a pretty bloody movie. And like I said, that's something I think I forgot in rewatching it. I was like, whoa. <laughs> and there's a, lot of, there's a lot of just bodies laying everywhere. Like yeah. I forgot about how many like just like dismembered corpses yeah, there just are like half of every ton. So so this place gets overrun by the bugs. That's where we lose Michael Ironside. 
Because he gets like sucked down into the ground and eaten by a bug, and then yeah. Rico, well, his legs go bye bye. Yeah, and then he because he like there's <laughs> geez, there's a guy earlier who gets picked up by one of the flying bugs and he's in pain, and Michael Ironsides shoots him and is like, I would expect anyone to do the same yeah. for me. So he's getting eaten by these bugs underground, and Rico shoots him. <laughs> And see you later, Michael Ironside. But also during this battle is when Dizzy gets, no. <laughs> Dizzy gets stabbed, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. She gets like she gets flat out stabbed. And <laughs> there's gets, her death is so gross. Yeah, like, really. A lot of blood coming out of her <laughs> yeah. mouth. Because like magically, Denise Richards and uh, Patrick Muldoon show up at that outpost, uh, outpost to save them. And she gets, like, stabbed, and they bring her on the ship, and you're right. She has a real gross, like, prolonged, like, death where they're on the ship, and they're like, oh, maybe we can save her. And it's like, no, they can't. But, but she's, like, okay with it because just the night before she got to sleep with Johnny, so she's like, it's okay, Johnny. <laughs> yep. I, I yep. was with you. Yeah. yeah. It's cool. I get to die here on a battlefield after sleeping with you instead of, you know, being a pro quarterback somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and becoming a citizen. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they have a funeral for her, which I have a note in here is, like, do you guys want to have space coffins when you go <laughs> Because they put her in a coffin just and then shoot it out the space. Kind of jettisoned out into nothing. <laughs> and then, so that's when that's when Neil Patrick Harris shows back up. Or, or as I like to call him in this scene, he's uh, Hail Patrick Harris. <laughs> <laughs> so, how many funerals do you think they have? How many of those coffins are floating around in space? <laughs> I gotta think at a certain point they're just bumping into each other, right? Oh, probably. There's just like coffins everywhere. They're like that's why they have such weird formations because they're trying to avoid all the coffins. But how many asteroids do those coffins then jar loose <laughs> towards Earth? <laughs> so okay, so they have Dizzy's funeral. Neil Patrick Harris shows back up and it's like, hey, we think there's a brain bug that's conducting all these, that's making them strategize. We got to capture one of these brain bugs. Well, Neil Patrick Harris admits they sent them there. They knew that there was something going on. He set he set them up. Oh, that's yeah. right. I forgot about that. He says, I'm sorry it had to be you, but we knew whoever went there was basically on a suicide mission. <laughs> so so then they're like, all right, we got to get one of these brain bugs. They go back down, which, by the way, so now we should say after Michael Ironside dies, Rico takes over. That's yeah, Rico's Roughnecks It's Rico's Roughnecks. He takes over the unit, and they're like, oh, we got your reinforcements, and they literally are a bunch of 12-year-olds. Yeah, I mean, they're really scraping the bottom of the barrel for recruits at this point. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought the Roughnecks were like an elite unit when Rico and them get introduced to them, and they're like, ah, oh, these kids are right out of basic. They'll do fine. Because <laughs> it's, like, it's like him and Busey and, like, Father Gabriel and a bunch of 12-year-olds. Yeah. Um, so then then that's when the ships get attacked again by the blue mm. lightning butt stuff, which is where I have a... <laughs> <laughs> which, which is where I have a note... <laughs> <laughs> Blue lightning butt stuff. Which is where I have a note right now that says, don't these ships have shields at all? <laughs> well, we do know they have doors that will fall down. <laughs> yeah, they have collapsing that, bulkhead that, doors. That is, that is one of Corndog's favorite parts is when the, uh, you the have captain. the worst death in the movie. You get killed by a falling door. Because Denise Richard and Patrick Muldoon's ship gets hit pretty hard by the butt fire. And they're and they're they're trying to race with the captain. Oh, to I the, had that once. They're they're racing with the captain to abandon ship, and the door just falls out. Her right? Yeah, abandoned ship. That's an order. And she dies with the bulkhead smashing her in half, like perfectly in the middle of her body. So they they crash. Her and Patrick Muldoon crash on the planet, and just happen to end up right where the brain bug is. And so the the brain bug sucks their juice out of them. <laughs> 
Well, just Patrick Muldoon. Patrick yeah. Muldoon. So he gets killed. That's when Denise Richard cuts off the brain sucking like thing. The, the wang that comes out yeah. of his face. Yeah. Which cuts off the uh, cuts off the penis and the vagina block. <laughs> Yeah, if he knew he was first, why didn't he keep the knife and do the exact same thing? Yeah. I I, I don't know either because I feel like the whole purpose of his death and Dizzy's death is to set up like there's a future for Johnny and Carmen, but they never really established that. (laughs) Like even, spoiler alert, at the end of the movie, the three of them, it kind of how it begins with like Johnny, um, Neil Patrick Harris, and Carmen, they just kind of walk off doing like the Zach Galifianakis song from The Hangover. Like, oh, we're the the three best friends. (laughs) I actually have something on that. The original cut of the movie, uh, they did get together at the end, but they thought it was completely insensitive for the characters considering uh, what had happened. Like, oh, they left each other to go find these other people who then died. So they're like, <laughs> oh, I guess we'll get, I guess we'll get back together. Another people we actually loved are dead. <laughs> so I mean, and the, I guess just to wrap <laughs> it up, the plot here, they they end up she, Rico ends up saving Denise Richards. They get out and they end up. Um, Clancy Brown decided to come back to the military, gets busted down to private, ends up catching the brain bug. And then uh, Neil Patrick Harris shows up and reads its mind. And, and what does he say, JB, when he reads its mind? It's afraid. <laughs> real happy as about it re- that. As it recoils, you can see in the brain bug showing emotion. It kind of recoils. And <laughs> yeah, I don't think it took a psychic to see that the bug was scared in that oh, moment. Oh, it was scared. So then, like, we're left to believe that they're going to study the brain bug and get all the patterns of the bugs and fight the war and win it. Yeah, because you get another propaganda film to close the movie, but now we're getting Johnny Rico and, and Carmen Ibanez starring in the new propaganda <laughs> It's well, a fucking t- movie. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how it ends. I mean, it ends like it's not a complete defeat of the bugs. We're just supposed to believe that they have new knowledge and they're going to keep fighting. Which apparently they did because they made two sequels. Oh, that's it, like yeah. four sequels. Yeah, there's, Plus, several, like, there's several. It, there's a whole thing with this. <laughs> well, in the second one, they harness their technology. Which <laughs> <laughs> they, they have lasers. So, in, and have you, how many of these have you seen? Uh, I've seen the first three. Uh, the third one, I think, was direct to sci-fi. Uh, or direct to video at least, but it premiered on sci-fi relatively quick. That sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a whole faction of uh, human civilization that are uh, empathetic to the bug's cause, and uh, it's pretty weird. A lot of psychics, too. Awesome. Because uh, that's what I need, more psychics and, and bugs. Yeah, yeah. what's the commercial, uh, like, midway through when they're having, like, the Federation Network? Uh, do you think you're a psychic? <laughs> Maybe you are. <laughs> I and thought he gets a third eye on his head. <laughs> well, he's a psychic. I, I thought one of the the funnier commercials in there is the the execution. Um, they <laughs> yeah. the, the guy gets tried for murder, and, and they say the execution's going to be broadcast at six p.m. tonight. They're they're broadcasting <laughs> executions. Uh, I enjoyed that. Quiz hot shot. Who was the person they were executing? Ooh. I think I came across this in my research. It was it was the writer, right? Yes, it's Ed Newmeyer, the writer, <laughs> the writer of the movie. Yeah, I think okay. I saw that when I was wow. when I was studying up. Um, I do want to say one other quick thing. There's the one of the news things they show where it's like when they're starting the war and it's like join the effort and they show all the little kids and they're smashing the bugs. <laughs> yeah, they're stalking the like cockroaches. And, uh, we were having a conversation and JB and, and he was talking to me and Corn Dog. I was like, hey, he's like, <laughs> oh, he's like, those are like the baby bugs, right? They came from the <laughs> asteroid. <laughs> He's like, those are like the bugs' babies, right? Is that why they were smashing them? Were you, were you serious? They're at the very least distant cousins. They have to be. They're bugs, right? They call them arachnids. Eh? Well, all I know is I'm from Buenos Aires, and I, I say kill them all. <laughs> that is one of my favorite parts of the movie. All right, so 
let's get into a little thing we like to call role reversal. So this will tie into your point, which I don't know what, exactly what it is yet, but we'll get to it. So <laughs> We'll get there. <laughs> role reversal, I'm going to name somebody who either passed on the role or was turned down for the role, and you have to tell me if you think the movie would have been better or worse. Hmm. All right, so here's what we got. For Johnny Rico, Mark Wahlberg. I See, I'm going to go with worse because I think he turned this down to take Boogie Nights. I believe you are correct. <laughs> um, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not a huge Wahlberg fan, so I'm going to say worse with him. Yeah, I'm going to say worse to Northeast. All right. <laughs> Josh Brolin. And that was the one I was going to mention. I knew Mark Wahlberg was the popular answer, but Josh Brolin also auditioned for this. But I, I, I'm going to go worse too, but he did get the chance to work with Paul Verhoeven later down the road. Yep, I, I, man. I think I think I would kind of like Josh Brolin in this. I like Josh Brolin. I think I'd like him more, uh, but I don't. I still don't think uh, anybody has the jawline like Casper Van Dien. <laughs> and, and I wouldn't have bought Josh Brolin as a high school student either, even in '97. <laughs> no. no, I didn't buy buy him as a high school student in Goonies. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, Bobby Carnival. Ooh, I do like him. Uh huh. Bobby, Bobby. But Carnivale. it's Bobby Carnival then, not yeah. Bobby Carnival now. So you're thinking like, yeah. It's like uh, was it uh, was it Waterboy? No, uh, was, it, was it Replacements? Maybe. Where was he? Where was he the football player in the Sandler movie? That oh, was that um, the Longest Yard? That would have been the Longest Yard. <laughs> or, I think. Well, I mean, Sandler's made two football movies. It was either the Longest Yard or the Waterboy. <laughs> I'm the wrong person to answer. Yeah, I don't know, but he was he played a football player in one of the movies. Yeah, I guess I guess maybe back then I would say no. It's always hard with these because it's like all I can picture is Casper Van Dien. So right. I'm gonna say pass on Bobby Cannavale. All right, this last one ready. Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Maybe. I feel like his vibe's not right for this. He's a little more low-key. Yeah, I think this would have been also pre-Matrix Keanu Reeves. So he, he, passed, he passed on this to make the Matrix. Okay. So I can't hate sense. that then. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with pass on that then too. Yeah, it's a hard no for me. <laughs> All right, I got a couple others. So for Carmen Ibanez, Nev Campbell. Maybe. I could see I, that. I could get on board with that. I can get on board with yep. that. And Rebecca Gayhart. Oh, Rebecca Gayhart, she was huge at the time. She was. She had. She passed on this for Scream 2. She oh. was offered the role and had the role, but had to pass because the, the filming conflict conflicted with Scream 2. I guess I forgot she was in Scream 2, but okay. Yeah. And then last, uh, Mr. Razik, Ratchek, <laughs> Michael Douglas was actually attached and turned and ended up backing out. That's very interesting. Yeah, to me. I think I got a pass on that too. I, I just like Michael Ironside in this role. Yeah, I guess I pass too. It's hard to it's hard to picture someone else in the role. I, I think that's an interesting one, but yeah, Michael Ironside has that tough uh, voice with him. Uh, Michael Douglas just seems too passive. And then I have one more. Okay, ready. Initially, the director for this film that was signed on. James Cameron. Yeah, and I, I saw that. That's crazy. I mean, I could see it. I mean, I, I think he could... It, I feel like it would be a completely different movie, though. Well, you well it would be Avatar. I'll say you touched on it in your intro. I think you made a good career decision by sticking with Titanic. <laughs> oh, clearly. Definitely. Can you imagine if he made two movies that year? One was Titanic and one was this? <laughs> <laughs> Starship Troopers and Titanic. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, I don't know. I think we've, I think we hit this thing up, uh, top to bottom. Do you guys have any other points, any other funny scenes or anything that stuck out in your mind? One other thing that I wanted to mention was is that they, they filmed this in like, uh, I think it was like Wyoming or something, like in the desert. Yeah. And they said that because it was so hot and that they were wearing all this military gear and stuff like that, that they were treating 25 people a day for heat stroke. <laughs> And that Jake Busey got heat stroke, and he was basically hospitalized and had to shut down production for a week. I heard they had to cut holes in his suit. <laughs> but it's like 25 people a day for heat stroke. That's insane. That is insane. 
And I've actually got a, a pop quiz. Oh, Ooh. well, please allow me to hit the button for you. Ooh. Pop quiz, hot shot. So if you didn't know already, this movie was nominated at the 70th Academy Awards in 1998 for Best Visual Effects. It did not win. Uh, do you guys know what the other two movies were that were nominated and one including the winner? Well, Titanic. Well, Titanic, Titanic that was, was the winner. winner. And then the other one would have been 97. Oh, Goodwill Hunting. No. <laughs> it would have been... Um, I think Spielberg. Yeah, was it uh, was it uh, one of the Star Wars movies? No, no, ninety seven. Couple years before. Think think a sequel movie of Spielberg's. Oh, it was Lost World. The Lost World. <laughs> oh, yeah. interesting. Okay, nice. Well, I also have an interesting uh, pop quiz for you guys. Oh, please. Pop quiz, hot shot. Oh. Johnny Rico's uh, famed line on the newscast of "I am from Buenos Aires. I say kill them all." was copied in a video game in the mid-90s with the quote was changed to, I'm from Las Vegas, and I say kill them all. Duke Duke Nukem. It was Duke Nukem. (laughs) Whoa, Duke Nukem super fan. Super fan. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I think think I've touched on everything that I had that I really wanted to point out. All right, I'd say it's time to rate this thing unless you guys have anything else. I'm all set. All All right, let's rate it. Here we go. All right, so we typically let our guest pick, our guests in this case, pick uh, if they want to rate first, second, how they want to do it. You guys want to go first? How do you want us to go first? You you two do the honors. All right. Okay, you go ahead. I'll go first. Okay. I thought the movie itself is very enjoyable to watch. It is batshit crazy, <laughs> and it is, it makes no sense. But the graphics are great. It it holds up. It holds up really, really well. I was very surprised at how well all of the effects hold up in this. Um, and I just I enjoy the movie. I liked watching it. I would give this out of five machine guns. I'm gonna say a three and a half. Oh, okay, three and a half. All right. Well, I mean, I guess I'll echo some of what you said. I mean, it's definitely a fun watch. Uh, I have some good memories attached to it. I mean, I, I think it's a good one to kind of do what we're doing and sit around and talk about it and talk about the crazy stuff. I am probably not going to be as kind to it as you are. It doesn't. It didn't sit as well with me. It wasn't as good as I remember being. So I'm going to give it more of a two and a half machine gun rating. All right. Who wants to go and, first? And, and I'll I'll echo that um, with you, Joe. Um, you guys have both made some good points. I think there's some CGI in this movie that still holds up today. Um, a lot of well, very fun watch. Rewatching it, I enjoyed it o- overall. But there, there's just so much of it that just makes no sense. <laughs> from the the psychics to the the lack of military tactics to the you know we didn't we didn't touch on um, how he finds Carmen is. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris psychically telling him he she's alive. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. Forgot about that. Um, this movie just the psychic thing is just too much to overcome. But I, I do enjoy watching it. Would definitely watch again. Uh, I, I tend to stay around the two and a half machine guns too. And I personally, I love this movie. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to be more generous than everybody here. Uh, I appreciate it even more, especially considering uh, the the plethora of actors and actresses. Uh, that that you can look back at now. I mean, Rue McClanahan, 
love the Golden Girls. <laughs> I love Michael Ironside from V. I love Neil Patrick Harris, Jake Busey in The Frighteners, Johnny Bartlett. <laughs> I love it. Uh, the CGI holds up to, to your guys' points. Uh, I give it a four out of five machine guns. Wow. That's, that is a ringing Generous. endorsement. <laughs> we are all over the board on this movie. <clears throat> all right. Well, uh, do you guys want to plug anything? Anything you want to uh, discuss, you want to share with us, your hopes, your dreams? I want to plug him on the Johnny Bartlett call-out with uh, Jake Busey's <laughs> creepy smile playing that violin solo in the slow dance. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that makes it even creepier now. Um, JB, you got anything you want to plug? No, I, I just want to say thank you guys for having yeah. us on. Yeah, thanks uh, for having us. LPJ oh. and Joe. Oh, uh, man, it's been yeah. a pleasure. Thanks for being here. This is a lot of fun. Yep, yeah. it was good. I'm, I'm glad uh, we had two talkative guests. <laughs> it always it makes my job easier, that's for sure. Uh, do you want to take care of the business, LPJ? I'll take care of the business. Uh, we are, of course, Last Action Podcast. We show up on your podcast app every Monday. Um, we were part of the GameZilla Media Network. We've got uh, Noobs and Dragons on Wednesdays. We've got the GameZilla podcast on Tuesdays. Uh, Thursdays is the last is the uh, Legend of Retro podcast, which, heads up, we're working on a crossover right now for a movie that also has a video game. And uh, we're going to be crossing over with the Legend of Retro. We're working on it right now. You guys are going to have that in the next coming months. Uh, and I think you'll enjoy it quite a bit. Um, and then we've also got Noiseland Arcade. And I'm missing one. Uh, uh, Bob, the Movie Blast with Bob and Bax. Uh, so we've got all these shows you can listen to. we got one every day of the week, uh, except Sundays. But, you know, just listen to something else again. <laughs> uh, and, and if you like us, please help us out. Go to GameZilla Media on, on Patreon and uh, help keep the lights on. We, we really appreciate it. We've got a lot of people that are supporting us, and uh, we try to give you guys new, fresh content every week on Patreon uh, just for our patrons, and, and we really appreciate everything that you guys do for us. Uh, you can also check us out anywhere, uh, anywhere on social media. So we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on uh, Twitter mostly. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and, and you can see us uh, definitely at GameZillaMedia.com. Uh, Joe, you got anything else? Uh, no, I think he covered everything. And again, I just want to thank them both for coming out and giving us the time and talking about this great movie. Yeah, I'm really glad you guys brought this movie to us because uh, <laughs> it's on the list, but it's not one of those ones I would have picked right away. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm glad we got to it now. I think when I told you when I told you we were switching for the Patriot, you're like, yeah, I like this better. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I definitely like this better. I, I the Patriot's a good movie, but this thing is far easier to talk about than The Patriot. It's true, yeah. So thank you guys both for being here. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you. All right, well, in that case, this episode of The Last Action Podcast has been terminated, but we'll be back. <laughs> <laughs>